abundant and free. And what joy just, just to know, just to know that His grace is sufficient me. I need 
need your touch this morning, Lord, in my own life. Yes, Father, touch your face, touch your hands, touch your spirit. singing are not just songs, Lord, but our little prayers that come from our innermost being. Lord, we not only want you to lead us to higher ground, but we're desirous to have more of your spirit, more of your presence in our lives. Lord, today I commit this service into your hands, and I pray for everyone following us and joining in in this service. Father, that you'll please, please touch 
everyone, O oh Father, and work a change in their lives and build them up and stabilize and give them a stability that none of us would be tossed to and fro by every wind of ideology or doctrine, Father. Let this service be a blessing and direction for us, we pray. Pray for every child of God today in every one of our assemblies and those not in our assemblies, Lord, that are sick, everyone that is sick with this dreadful pestilence, Lord, we pray that you'll send your spirit, send your hand, touch them, Father, console their lives, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, we ask it. We ask that you'll be with us today. Amen and amen and amen. Well, today as we were singing this song um, about I need more of your spirit, uh, we need God to lead us to higher grounds, I, a scripture came into my mind that we are all familiar with, and it's in, in uh, Isaiah, the 30th chapter of Isaiah, the 30th chapter of Isaiah. And Isaiah is writing, and I appreciate God for these prophets, uh, these men of God in the past, that mean that their words and their prophecies and whatever they wrote means a whole lot to us. And uh, there are things that we must understand, and, and that is most of the prophets, when they came and they prophesied, about present situations that existed in their time. Uh, it was meant for basically the nation of Israel. Occasionally, a prophet might prophesy against the evils in the world and in society. But most of the times, what God would send his prophets not to the unsaved or the heathen. He would send his prophets to God's people. So when we read something like we read the prophecies of Isaiah or we read the prophecies of Jeremiah or we read Amos or Nehemiah or Hosea, any one of these men that are, you find that they're prophesying or there are things they're saying that is recorded in scripture, it was meant for God's people. And so when I'm reading this scripture in the 30th chapter of Isaiah, Think about it carefully, that it, this was God's people. These were the chosen of God. And why I'm saying that we need to consider this carefully, because we that are grafted into the olive, to the true olive branch or the olive tree, we Gentiles, the wild olive, are grafted into the true olive. The tendency for us to go astray and go contrary to what God wants is easier and more possible than when Israel drifted away from God. Because uh, Israel were, they, the nation of Israel, they were the promised seed. They were God's chosen people. And uh, hold your finger in Isaiah chapter 29. And I think I want to take you back just for a little bit here. And already I'm not um, uh, following uh, my line of thoughts that's in my head. Because of time, we have to work these things out. In Deuteronomy, uh, in Deuteronomy, either the 7th or 8th chapter, uh, it says here in Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is, um, is uh, it means to tell it again. Deuteronomy is what Moses combines, uh, the, and he sort of put together the entire history of the journeys and everything like that. He is repeating what was written a little bit in Genesis, not too much, but in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Some of these things were taken out from that, and he is telling it again. And in the seventh chapter, of Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a beautiful chapter I don't even want to start in these areas but I'm in chapter 7 the Lord is telling Israel that when you go in to possess the land 
you're going into a strange land and you're my people and I'm going to give you 10 commandments that will keep you sanctified from the ungodly nations of the world. Uh, God did not want his people to intermingle with the ungodly. And today, I don't know if I can even say that because we have so many ways that the devil can cause us to intermingle with the mindset of the ungodly in our day, different day, different age, different battle. Uh, they served God back there and uh, four or 5,000 years ago, and you can see an idol when it comes on in through the door. You cannot hide the idols. The idols were very evident. Yeah, big old stone structure you're bringing in, unless you have a small idol, you know. And um, when you brought that in, it was obvious. Idolatry were, was very easy to recognize. But then there came the possibility of idols of the heart, idols of the mind. And idolatry took a different turn, just like adultery took a different turn, just like um, murder took a different turn. As the age advanced, uh, the subtlety of the devil advanced also. And for us, the church, to feel like we've got a handle on everything, uh, that's not good enough. It is not good enough. And so we must understand that there is a reason why God wants his people sanctified from the society that they're living in. The nation of Israel, God is bringing out of Egypt. And they had spent hundreds of years, 400 years in Egypt was not easy to give up the citizenship and the mentality of an Egyptian. And this was the problem. And so when the Lord sent Israel in, in chapter 7, he says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy, and thou shalt make no covenant. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. You can't even marry them. You can't even intermingle. There's, there was a complete isolation. And so today when we're trying to see how best we can isolate, it's difficult. Now God did not choose Israel because they were some great fantastic prayer warriors or something like that. And sometimes you and I feel because uh, we are praying a little more than everyone else that maybe we, I've got a good prayer life, that I've got a handle on God. I can just give God a shopping list and he's going to run and fulfill all the list. And uh, the common saying is out here, God answers prayer. Isn't that the common thing? Uh, well, I want to tell you, God does not answer all prayers. Uh, and when I say he does not, he does not answer your request based on what you want. And Nadine was growing up. And when she was growing up as a little child, I was telling somebody last night that uh, when she was six years old, I stopped spanking her and disciplining her because she was already trained. I'd done the job. And when we walk into a grocery store and I said, I'll get you a candy bar today. Uh, she says, I want that one. I said, no, I'll buy this one. She had changed her will since she was small. It's not what she wanted. I, it's, is it that I'm a, an evil parent? No, no, no. I was trying to let her understand that it's not what she wants in life, but what her parents might think is necessary. So as she is a, was a child, she came to that point of wanting to say, Dad, I want a candy bar. Which one will you choose? And then when she has come to that place, I said, okay, today is your chance to choose. It's, it's training the child in the way it should go, and when it is old, it will not depart from it. But in our society today, there's so many choices out there, 
And God told Israel, he says, I want you, I'm, you're my people. You're going to be sanctified from the evil nations you're going into. And when I think of that, and I look at the present crisis in the world, I don't think the church is sanctified from anything too much. We said, well, we're sanctified. Are you really? Where did you get your theology from? Well, I pray a lot and God is talking to me. Well, and that's strange because there were times when even the prophets, he didn't talk to them. When Samuel went into Saul's house to anoint a king of Israel, Samuel did not know which one of the boys God would choose. Uh, there were many cases where a prophet did not know what God wanted him to do. And there were times when God was specific. Well, in today's world, I am... Um, I did not pray and ask God what the weather was going to be. I went and found on the internet uh, the weather channel and the weather, uh, weather uh, app that I have on my phone, and it told me what was going to happen today. And uh, many a times the prediction is correct. I wish as a pastor and as a man of God, I had a prediction that God gave me that I could tell the church, here is what will happen in two weeks. Last week, we decided to, uh, was it a week ago, a little over a week ago, we decided we were going to lock down our church to keep it to 10. And so Brother Joe came and he told me, he says, you see, you had the mind of the Lord. <laughs> I didn't tell him anything, but I didn't have the mind of the Lord. I just foresee the evil and I knew what the government was going to do in advance. It would have been nice if the Lord spoke to me, woke me up and an angel says, here is what will happen. Be prepared. It didn't happen that way. Pastoring for over 50 years, you sort of figure out things. I can almost tell you who is a hypocrite. It's good and it's bad. It's good and it's bad. But after pastoring for uh, 50 years, when someone come and tell you a lie, and you don't want to embarrass them. They say, well, you know, pastor, I couldn't make it to church. Here was my reason. And you look at that person and you know the person is lying, but you're a modest pastor. You're there to save the liar and you wouldn't save him if he knows that every time he lies, you know he's lying. You have to wait until God changes his heart. And so sometimes it is necessary to understand these things. And a lot of times I walk over to a person that hates me and tell them some wonderful things about them. And they did not even understand that they said so many evil things about me. And I walked over and told them that I love them and I care for them. If they knew that I knew what they said about me, uh, it will knock them out of the church. I want to keep them long enough in the church that God can save them. I can't save anybody. And so today I'm here talking to you. And... Uh, I'm not no great preacher. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I, I did not even go to seminary. I, I'm here, and I hope God will give us a lesson today. Um, and I've done this for many, many years. Over 30 years, every time I get into the pulpit, I hope that God will give us a lesson. And today, that's what I'm hoping, that God will give us a lesson, that he wants to speak to a variety of people in a certain way. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. But if your ears are dull of understanding, you would not hear his voice. You'd be too busy doing your own thing while I'm preaching to you. You'll be so full of yourself that it can hinder your need for God. Jesus says, the, the hungry, he fill it with, with good things, but the dead fully sends empty away. And so when you're listening to this, this message today, everyone has a different need. I can't preach with a particular message and hope it meets the need. And that is why I've developed a way of coming into church and let God touch my mind and let God help me. And so sanctification for God's people back there was important. God is particular about who is leading your life. Last night we quoted the scripture in Psalms, the first chapter, when it says, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now that does not mean I can't listen to the weather channel. 
but it means anything to guide my life. Because we do not hear as much as we claim we hear from God. You take away the Bibles from every preacher's, you take away the Bible from every preacher, and most of us don't know what to say to the people because we got to go into the text. Well, I pray the day would come when us preachers can hear from God and we can have the Word of God written on the tables of our hearts. Uh, David says, Thy word have I kept on in a scroll that I can read and understand thee. No, David said, Thy word have I kept in my heart that I might not sin against thee. See, Malachi says the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they that seek the law should seek it at his mouth. And that is what we need. We need today preachers that are anointed by God, that God can lead. But we are brainwashed by apostate Christianity. We in the body of Christ are, a lot of us are brainwashed by philosophies and all kinds of ideas and ideologies. And I, you see, I'm, here I'm going again. And, um, and that is the, the problem because when we look at Israel, it's a hindsight view. It is whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning. I look at Israel, see how they responded to God, see how God responded to them, see when they were obedient, how God blessed them, and when they were disobedient, how God sent them into captivity. And it should drive the fear of God in my life. You see, I should not be here telling you how many times Israel went into captivity. I should more so look at what Israel did and how they went into captivity and try to figure out if we are in captivity. Because captivity today is more mental than it is physical. I made a statement some time ago. I said, we have great principles. We have made principles. We have got principles that we operate by. And I love principles. But when our principles become our prison, then we cannot have exercise our power of choice. Our principle should be a guiding light. It should be the guardrails that we are driving within. But I'm driving and I am obeying the law of God and the law of the land. Spiritually speaking, I'm obeying the law of God. Physically, I'm obeying these highway signs and the signs on the road. And to maintain my life. When I speed and go beyond the speed limit, there are guardrails that will break up my car. And save God will still save my life. But so we, here we are today. And when I look at Israel... The example of Israel is a good example for us. There was a time when Israel came out of Egypt and uh, they had leadership. They did not like their leader. They did not like Moses because Moses was depriving them. As far as they were concerned, he was taking away the, the, the comfort that they had in their slavery. See, some people love slavery. Some people love to be boxed in. And uh, we, we dealt with a few prisoners. And when a man spends 20 years, 30 years, 40 years behind bars, you, he would not find it comfortable to settle up in society. When you bring him out, he might want to go back behind bars because in the prison, you have a com comfortable, you got accustomed to the lifestyle you don't have to pay for your phone bill. You don't have to pay for rent. You don't have to even pay for food. Everything is there and you've made yourself comfortable. You understand what I'm saying? Captivity sometimes brings a lot of comfort in an individual's life. And today we could be so comfortable in, in our captivity, spiritual captivity, that we don't want to get out. And so when you look at the examples of Scripture, for example, uh, the golden calf mentality uh, was deep in the hearts of the people 
that the first chance they had when Moses went up into the mountain to bring back more commandments and restrictions for them, uh, when he went up to get added laws from God, it didn't take them long to build us, ask Aaron to build a golden calf. Now, if I was Aaron, and I'm not, I would say, no, I'm not building a golden calf. But hindsight let me understand that that golden calf was also in Aaron's heart. Because God had not processed Aaron like he did Moses. God had not taken away the roots of bitterness out of Aaron's life like he did Moses. You see, and that is what sanctification is about. Sanctification is God is giving us the process of time that he can cleanse us from the evils that sit in the heart and save us from what the evils of society. So blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see, when David wrote that psalm, Uh, That was a long time ago. You had to go see the gladiators fight. And that was even before the gladiators. But you had to go out to where they had the races to see what's going on. Today, you don't have to do that. You can get a Bible correspondence course from an apostate institution and get a doctorate in theology that God has not approved Because you want to be recognized like the rest of hypocrites in society. I try to be sweet. But it just happens. Excuse my brazen attitude. That reminds me of the brazen serpent. Not only the golden calf mentality, but the brazen serpent mentality because when the serpents start to eat them because of their rebellious and serpents start to kill them, <clears throat> God told Moses, build up, make a brazen serpent of brass and put it there and anyone that looks at it will get healed. And they did that. And they kept the serpent secretly in Israel for over 600 years. And burn incense onto it. Well, you know, Brother Singh, uh, this man in the past brought us so far away. Where's the man? He's dead. How many years? Long time. You're still following him. Israel kept that serpent in their camp for over 600 years. And they burnt incense onto it. And I think it was Hezekiah that tore the thing up and burned it up. And then came, who was it? I'm guessing here today, so bear with me. Uh, Was it Jeroboam that went to Bethel? Uh, When Rehoboam seems to be getting the popularity and pulling the people after him, Israel was divided in two. And when Rehoboam seemed to be pulling the people after him, and I hope my history is right here, Jeroboam says, well, let me see what the people love. They love golden calves. So if I take a golden calf and put it at a remarkable place where Jacob saw God, You understand what I'm saying? It was a good spot when Jacob was, God God spoke to Jacob. It was none other than the house of God and the gate to heaven. It was a terrible place when Jacob saw it. Place to save you. But God had moved on from that. God moves on, my friend. If you don't know, God moves on. If you're still at battle, May God have mercy on you because God moves on. And so what Jeroboam did, and if I got my history right, whoever he was, this king, decided that at Bethel is a good spot to put a golden calf. You think God approved that? He was judged, that area was judged, and that is what I'm thinking today. 
We don't have Bethel. We don't have golden calves. We don't have brazen serpents. But we might have things that we hold on to dearly that we should give up because God moves on. And this is important. And God did not choose Israel because they were a great nation. It says here, verse 6, For thou art an holy people, Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has not chosen thee because you're a special, cute little people. He didn't choose you because you're, uh, you're a special. He, he didn't choose you. He chose, he chose, he, God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all nations upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor chose you because you are more in number than any people. And today numbers are very important. The more people you got in your churches, better you feel you are great. Listen to me, every one of you. If our elders would ever make anything in the future, they've got to follow this advice I'm about to give. If your prayer life makes you exalted and put a sanctimonious, holier-than-thou-art attitude to you, you didn't pray. You're just a Muslim. You said prayers, but you did not pray prayers. Because when you say when you pray prayers, it changes your spirit. It softens you up. If your doctrines make you cocky and exalted and everybody else is evil because you know two in the Godhead, you know. If your doctrines, you can have all your doctrines right, but if your life is not right, I'll take a man outside of the church that lives right above your, what your knowledge in your head has done. One of your brothers find a scripture. There is a scripture in, in, the, in the prophets where it says if they, the righteous sins and if the unrighteous doesn't sin. Find that for me. I think it's a beautiful day today in church. And the Lord says, I did not choose you because I put my love upon you because you were a great nation nor a people. He says, you are the fierce people. God says, I chose you because I am a God. I make choice. He says, I just make some choice. And so don't get cocky and exalted about it. Be humble. And here in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, the Lord is saying here, <clears throat> this is important. I think it might be in Ezekiel, brother Sam, uh, in Ezekiel. But I'm here. It says, woe to the rebellious children, verse 1 in chapter 30 of Isaiah. He says, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. Who was God talking to? The chosen Israelites. The ones he delivered out of Babylon. Excuse me, Egypt. Babylon, Egypt, same thing. But God brought me out of Babylon. Listen, saying that does not mean a thing if you're still loaded with the principles, philosophies, and concepts of Babylon, practices, methods, methodologies, and their formalities of every sort. He says, Woe unto you, rebellious children, said the Lord, that take counsel, but nobody is really seeking me, but not of me. Isn't that sad that God's people are doing things, but not because God tells them to do it? He says, Not of me. You take counsel, but not of me. And you cover with a covering, but that's not my spirit. Brother Singh, did you feel a spirit today? That band really pl played a beautiful number today. And we all got goosebumps. And the kids, they're all speaking in tongues. Y'all don't watch me so. You make the people on the internet watch me the same way. Listen. What's happening if whatever is happening in the church cannot change the lives of the people and set the captives free, then that whatever is happening in the church is ridiculous and not of God. So Israel, they had a way to create an atmosphere, but it was not God's spirit. That is why when I pray every day, I ask God for his spirit. Genuine, give me the genuine Holy Ghost, Father. So Father is saying what you got to do to get it, you got to say, 
Praise, 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 praise. La 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 la. Praise, 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 praise. La 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 la. And hope your tongue gets tangled up enough to say something. That's what it did on the day of Pentecost. I don't even want to believe in Pentecost no more. But rather saying, you're not smart because some ancestor in the past taught us to do it this way. Then that ancestor needed to be saved also. Amen. Don't say amen too loud because the people hear you and then <laughs> I don't hate me alone, they hate you also. So be quiet and just listen today, okay? When I say something ridiculous, you just say amen in your heart. All right, come on. Are you with me? That's when I want you to say it. But we're not to follow the golden calves. We're not to follow this place because something happened there sometime. What about something happening in here today? Today. I don't need something happening in the past. I need God today. It would have been nice if five brothers get together or two brothers get together and we pray and ask God to have mercy on us. And overnight, this pandemic, this pestilence is gone. Listen, we are doing what has to be done. I get a cavity, I go to the dentist. But don't tell me God can't heal a, a cavity. My brother's saying it's a different day we're living in. You know, in these days, we got to go to the dentist. We got to get our checkup. We got to, guess what? We have to do all of that because we don't have enough of the power of God in here. I believe if we have the power of God here, God will, will heal a cavity. He will heal lumbago. He'll heal diabetes. He'll heal blood pressure. He'll heal all kinds of things. He'll remove your cancer completely gone from your body. The most important thing, he'll heal your spirit. You'll be saved. That is important. Not the music. God. Not the atmosphere we're trying to generate. Listen, I believe in music. David played. And demons, he played his harp. And demons left Saul. Because music could be spiritual, but if the devil gets into the music and we follow some trend that belongs to Egypt, we got a problem, my friend. That is why I'm prejudiced to the body of Christ. I'm prejudiced to the body of Christ. I believe in what we do. But ever so often we get off the track and we're trying to follow some hill song or somebody else out there that is singing because, you know, they give us goosebumps. Listen, I don't care what they sing out there. I've got a heritage and I want to stay on the track. And if we are strayed from it, when Israel strayed, God brought them back to their land. If we have strayed, we're not to find a different land. How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land, but it doesn't mean that God cannot speak to you. So I might have all my doctrines right, but my life is not right. Found that scripture for me? Ezekiel 33. I'm coming back to Isaiah chapter 30. And today the lesson has already gone uh, its own way because I have some notes here. I was going to take you into Genesis and we were going to talk about death and life and the resurrection and the serpent. <clears throat> Ezekiel 30, 33. And Ezekiel writing here, <clears throat> 33 is a good chapter. Because in Ezekiel chapter 33, uh, he's talking to the watchman. Isn't that right? Isn't Ezekiel 33 where he says, uh, Son of man, speak to the children of Israel. Verse 2 and say unto them, When I bring a sword upon the land, <clears throat> if the people of the land take a man off their coast and set him to be a watchman. It is important for us to have preachers today that are watchmen. That one you can say amen to. It is important that we don't have jokers. And the watchmen need to know what to do when you see the enemy come. It says, uh, he says, um, when, they, when he seeth the sword come upon the land and blow the trumpet and warn the people. Well... There is, a, there is a note. There is a way to blow the trumpet. 
The watchman has to know what note to play on the trumpet to tell the, tell the people the enemy is coming. Well, wouldn't that be something if the watchman got up there and he says, okay, it's early in the morning, he see the enemy coming and he's playing pom pa pom 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 if he does that, he needs to be taken out and executed. Because we have a lot of watchmen. It doesn't mean the kind of watch you wear. It means you watch. And watch for the evil. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. A man went to court because uh, he sold. He was a pet owner. Was taken to court. Because he sold a watchdog to a man and thieves came in, stole everything except they didn't steal the dog. Went to court. It's a makeup story, I think it is. And the judge says, what can you say, pet owner? He says, I sold him a watchdog. The man says, yes. But the thieves came in and he said, I sold him a dog that watched. He didn't bark. He didn't attack the thieves. He just watched. I think Sister Dorothy has one of those. He's a watchdog. Well, we have watchmen that are like that watchdog. We watch. We want to look cute. We got nothing to tell the people, so we come up with something. We got to tell them something. And it's important that we understand these things. And the Lord tells them that they need to send a watchman. And a watchman, he would be... Either saving the people or the people's blood will be on his shoulder. The messages I preach to this congregation and to those listening to me saves me from being responsible for the damnation of those that are flamboyantly, brazenly and purposefully going contrary to God. I preach a message that I feel God has given me to save everyone that's listening to me and to save my soul in the process. The watchman has an important job. And the Lord said here in verse 11, and say, and say unto them, as I live, the Lord says, he says, no, that's not the verse, <clears throat> in verse 12, therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. That is, you can have all the things in your life right, but the moment you transgress, you come under the judgment of God. Why am I saying this scripture today? I'm saying this scripture today because we just buried my sister-in-law. We just um, saw the death of my sister-in-law. And uh, we, don't, we didn't believe alike. They believe their doctrine's a little different than us. But you know, I looked at her life, Brother Sam, and she lived a godly life. You put on the television and something is happening that's violent, she would walk away. She believed in prayer. She believed in whatever she believed in, but it affected the way she lived. And I believe that there's coming a resurrection that she'll be in. Final resurrection. But you and I that have the doctrines and we go in contrary, we hobnob in the world, we'll come forward in the first one. Think again. Think again. Because when she's coming up and you're coming up in the same resurrection, which is quite possible, and you look at her and you says. Ah, I never knew you made it into the first resurrection. And then she turns to you and says, well, this is not the first. This is the general harvest. Where did you learn your stuff from? See, a lot of us, we are our worst enemies. When the knowledge in your head inflates your ego and does not give you a spirit of humility... The knowledge in your head need to leave your head and move down into your heart. And you need the Holy Ghost to help that knowledge to find a way to change your life. We are here to change our lives. 
And so the righteousness of the righteous, when he sins, it does not mean a thing. It says, the Lord, righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgressions. As for the wickedness of the wicked, uh, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous, righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. Verse 13. When I say to the righteous... And he shall, when I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trust in his righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. It is absolutely important that we understand that the life we live is more important than the doctrine we hold on to. Now, I'm saying a bad statement here. If your doctrine inflates your ego and make your life careless, footloose, and fancy-free, then ease up the doctrine a little and start to live for God. Pray that God give you the right spirit. Come on, children of God, are you listening to me today? Don't be comfortable sitting home and just streaming. Live for God. Get the peace of God in your heart. Bring your family. Somebody said, well, you know, it's a bad day. It's a good day. Thank God for COVID-19. It has brought to the surface many hypocrisies. And it has challenged many of us to dedicate our lives even more unto God. Don't find an excuse not to find a reason to. Nothing happens by accident. God has allowed this to happen for a reason. And it goes on here. Am I finished? It says in verse um, verse, um, 14, 15, and 16... Again, when I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right. If the wicked restore the pledge given, uh, a give and give a, the pledge, give again that which he robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall live. None of the sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. So that man outside will be condemning If he's living better than we are, don't point your finger and condemn anybody. Don't call them Babylon. Don't call them evil. Don't call them wicked. If their life is more dedicated than than our life that we got the body of Christ. Praise the Lord, the body, the body, the body. Listen, I'm prejudiced. I love the body better than I love anything else. And that is why God is giving us this message today. Calling yourself a Christian and being a genuine one is a difference between that. And so here in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 1, Woe to the churn of uh, the rebellious churn, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, that cover with the covering but not my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Are they in church? Yes. Are they in the temple? Yes. Do they feel goosebumps? Yes. Do they feel like the spirit is moving? Yes, but not God's spirit. The devil has counterfeited everything that God has started. And that is why the first scripture I wanted to get to today was 2 Corinthians 11. When Paul says, I fear as the serpent beguile Eve through his subtlety, So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ Jesus. We'll talk about the serpent some other day. But Paul went on here. He says they they walk to go down to Egypt. Now today you don't have to walk to go down to Egypt. You can turn your television and you got Egypt there. You can get a correspondence, religious correspondence course off the heart of Babylon Right in your living room and nobody know. See, I can't come into your house and walk behind you. You got to live right. You got to walk according to the principles of God. 
That's why the commandments were given to keep us in line. That is why today we need to understand that what we do today is important. God blessed the men of the past that has given us a foundation that we build on. Great men of the past, including Paul, including Brother Souders, including Brother Goodwin, including Moses, including Isaiah, including Peter. They all laid a foundation for us. But when you saying, I want to go back and live there. No, you can't. This is our day. We've got to live today. And I must be able not to only say, well, foundation, foundation. You know, let's, let's stay on the foundation. No, there's more to building a house than the foundation. Thank God for the foundation. It is solid. But I remember what Brother Waters told me one time. He says, Brother Singh, I told him. I said, Brother, Brother, uh, Brother Waters, I'm standing on the foundation. And you know what a wise old man told me? I love him. He looked at me. He says, foundations do get cracked. And things seep in. I said, sir, I never heard that before. But that's a good advice because my foundation that was even given to me that I'm standing on maybe have some cracks that I need to fill up and seal before I start putting the walls up to protect my family and my church in this evil day that I'm living in. Because the devil has advanced and it will be sad that the church remains backward. You know, I'm looking at a Bible and I told someone last night, I said, I cannot give up the written book. But we're living in an age that they, nobody wants a book anymore. Just, but you know, I was told by a very respectable family of mine, he says books are going to come back into operation. He says, just like the, the record player, the vinyl is coming back. I just got me a new a player in the back there. It's got vinyl. It can play in the vinyl. It can, has a, a cassette player. It has CD player. It's got radio and all of that just in the office there. And so he says all of that is coming back and books are going to always be there as reference. You know, and that's good news. I wish that would remain that way. But we're living in a different age. The little device we give our kids is their ruin. Because they're not matured enough. They're dumb and not matured enough to handle that and use it properly and successfully and meticulously and wisely. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we, our kids, need prayer. And you can preach and do all you can to the kids, but we need to pray more than we talk. We need to set the example to our children. Because you don't have to walk down to Egypt to get the doctrines and the concepts of Egypt. It comes to you. It knocks on you. There was a time we had to go out to evangelize. Now we don't do that. The world is busy evangelizing in the church. Perverting us. May God help us if ever we need the Holy Ghost like the day of Pentecost and more than the day of Pentecost, we need it today. Amen. We need more than they had on the day of Pentecost. We need what Revelation 11 talks about and we pray that God would give us that day soon in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house. We thank you, Father, for bringing to light the reality of our spiritual incompetence, Father. We thank you, Father, that you're helping me to see my own self and my lack of commitment and dedication. Father, may you give us the spirit of your Son, the humility, the simplicity, the meekness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. May, Father, we never become arrogant and ignorant and boast ourselves against society. But Father, recognize the need for living godly in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Help us to shine as lights, Father. Father, let these words that we have heard today sink in our hearts. 
and help us not to sin against you. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask it. Amen and amen.